It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Well, hello there. Welcome to another podcast. Great to have you along with us. Walter Storholt here alongside Brian Doe. This is Make the Dough Rise. We're going to try and make you a little smarter on today's show, but it is the last show of 2019, the last show of the decade, Brian. How are you? Doing great. Sounds like a big buildup there. This, you have high expectations. Well, when it's, whenever something's the last time you're going to do it in the entire decade, you know, you can kind of make it sound really big. So Absolutely. And I, maybe we won't <laughs> educate as much as we inspire today. There you go. Well, and whenever we get to this time of year, I think emotions and inspiration are something, you know, we, we're all willing to tap into a little bit more deeply than the rest of the year. So I see that as uh, very appropriate, no problem at all. Uh, so on today's show, we are going to indeed look back over the last decade with lessons learned from the last 10 years or so. And that'll help us, I'm sure, look forward a little bit as well. But going to learn a lot on today's show and also I think going to get some really good perspective on our own financial lives with what Brian's got on tap for us to talk about. But before we get to all of that, Brian, important matters at hand first. What's on the agenda for you in the new year? Well, because this is the end of the decade, and because I've looked back on other ends of decades and was talking to one of my daughters about 1999, we said, well, it was the end of the month, end of the year, end of the decade, end of the century, end of the millennium. And it, she got a kick out of what a big perspective or pivot point that was. And I'm not one really for the touchy-feely, woo-woo, uh, self-help kind of stuff. But, you know, I thought we're, we're really at a pivot point with it being 2019. And I would like to, you know, maybe inspire people to think about the decade ahead and do something to mark the occasion, mark the time, and then, you know, line up and, and think about what we want to have happen over the coming decade. Because, I mean, it is the 2020s, and last century was notable for the roaring 20s. And it was an interesting time. It was actually a really big boom time. But if you recall, it, it actually didn't end well. We had a bit of a, a financial crisis in the 20s, much like we did, well, in the you know, we worked our way out of in this previous decade. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I think it makes a lot of sense to take stock and to also plan big. And speaking of planning big on a personal level, you've got a big trip planned heading west, I understand. Yeah. So uh, in 1999, I, I recall specifically where I was because I was out in San Francisco. I was visiting my sister out there. It was it was like the frothiest time of the dot-com bubble and everybody was getting rich and there was no end in sight. And we simultaneously had the impending doom of uh, Y2K and maybe the whole world was going to shut down and the grid was going to shut down and end. And so it was this exciting but potentially perilous time. And we found a, a neat rooftop spot hanging around with a bunch of good people there. And we had a beautiful fireworks show over the San Francisco Bay. And I just, I didn't really necessarily plan it that way, but it marked the occasion. And I specifically remember it because it was monumental. It was, it, it stood out and it, it just marked the decade for me. 
fast forward to 2009, man, I don't know where I was. We'd had our third <laughs> child. I had changed careers, had, had left the big brokerage firms, was trying to get established on my own. And probably, to the best of my guess, I was just trying to get a good night's sleep. Well, fast forward 10 years, I said, we've got to do better this time. It's, it's 2019, and you know my girls are all at an interesting age, 10, 12, and 14. I said, we will have dramatic, fundamental changes in all of our lives 10 years from now. You know, they'll be in or out of college. We'll have worked through all the, the high school years and teenage and learning to drive. And we just have all these things coming up. And, and so I want to be very deliberate to make sure I maximize this time to get the most enjoyment, to have the impact on them that I would like. And um, yeah, it was just, just a good time to plan ahead. That's pretty neat. It is interesting when you look at things on a year to year basis, you know, a lot changes in even just one year, certainly in our lives. But when you look at it from that decade breakdown and take it from, you know, 10 year swatch here and a 10 year swatch there, so much uh, certainly happens in life. Uh, certainly the most when you when you have kids or you are a kid. Um, but even even when you're an adult, there's a big difference when you go from that, you know, whether it's, you know, 25 to 35 or 35 to 45, just so many little things start happening in your lives. And I'm sure it's the same for those who are even close to retirement as well. And you're watching not only your children grow up, but then your grandkids at that time too. And just so many changes happen over that course of time. So neat that you personally are going to kind of take stock in this past decade and also realize what's going to change in the future one and, uh, use this time to get away, spend some time with the family and enjoy ringing in the new year in that special well, and, way. And, and to answer your question, I, I think you, you were specifically asking about our plans, and we are heading out west. I have uh, booked a room with a view in Las Vegas, and we're going to be able to watch the fireworks show on New Year's Eve. They do a synchronized fireworks show off of five of the rooftops of the major hotels there. And so we're going to have a bird's eye view of that and somewhat reminiscent of my 1999 experience. And then we're going to head to the uh, parks, Zion and uh, Valley of Fire. And maybe if we can get all the way over to Antelope Canyon, that's, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how big a bite we can take when we get there, but it's going to be a great chance to Go see and do some fairly epic things. And you know, just like I said, making it memorable so that we can look back and say, I know where I was December 31st, 2019. Very cool. Well, enjoy the trip. And uh, we can't wait to hear all about it when you get back on a future episode. So we're looking forward to hearing all about the uh, the details, uh, both the Vegas side and also then the you're going to get a little of everything there, the city side and then also, you know, the uh, the, the nature side of things going out to the park. So. It's a, yeah, it's a it'll good be best an of both worlds. Of things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, well, let's uh, let's get down to brass tacks then, and let's take stock from that financial perspective. Looking back over the last decade, what is it that you take away that really sticks out in your mind? Well, uh, first, let me point out that uh, there's a quote that Bill Gates has that always comes to mind when I get into this long-term planning mode, and it. I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but it goes something to the effect of we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in a year, but we way underestimate what we can accomplish 
in a decade. And I think that there's this dissonance that comes from planning and setting goals and and maybe even looking on a 10-year time horizon is so long that it's it's hard to make it seem real. Whereas on the other hand, uh, you know, we we use years and New Year's and New Year's resolutions, and for some reason, January one has this you know magical sense to it that we're gonna get in shape and we're gonna shape up our lives and we're gonna you know fix and start and do all these things that we've set out to do. And when you have a disconnect between where you're going and your perceived sense of where you are that can be a very frustrating time period. And by breaking it down as more of a vision for the long term, a measurable goal for the three years, and then an action steps for the next 12 months, I have found that to be a much, much better way to approach things. So anyway, I was just just wanting to you know, take a little time to, one, reflect on the positive and then begin to look at this next decade from that that time horizon. What do we want to ha- have happen in a few key categories? I'll outline those in a little bit. Then you get quantitative and measurable in a three-year time period, and then back it down to what in the next 12 months, what are we going to do? So that's basically the, uh, the, the framework that I have had considerable success with in planning my future and, and setting big goals. Well, let's get into it then and talk about it. I mean, kind of a, uh, you know, we always see these year in reviews, and now we're going to probably see a lot of decade in review type segments on all the national shows and that sort of thing, looking back at the pop culture uh, events and, of course, the political and news events of the past decade. What about the financial events of this past decade that stick out to you most? Well, this past decade was a big one because we were recovering, you know, t- in 2009 was obviously the the bursting of the financial bubble in the mortgage-backed market. And so we spent the the better part of the decade digging out of the hole. And we had, remember, corporate bailouts. We had uh, the consolidation within the, the financial companies, a lot of people losing homes and unemployment skyrocketed. So it was a really perilous time in a lot of ways because we really did teeter on the edge of a true you know depression if, if the financial system had seized up it, it could have ended much much worse than it did now going back on the lessons learned from the previous century when we had the stock market crash in the late 20s the Federal Reserve really stepped up and stimulated and provided liquidity, and, and that really was one of the, the things that helped avert this being a, a major crisis. Maybe you're critical of you know bailing out big banks and the too big to fail and, and that whole concept, but I would say as big of a financial crisis as we were dealing with, we worked our way out of it uh, very nicely. The markets have come back and... We are ending the decade with a near uninterrupted, you know, positive movement in the market. So I'm actually feeling as good at the end of this decade as I've uh, felt in, you know, probably the past three. 
That's pretty interesting to see that there was a little bit of a trend, it seemed, that last year of the decade, always sort of with that negative or downslide happening. And uh, Mm -hmm. didn't see it happen in 2019, thankfully. So hopefully we can stave it off a little bit longer into the 20s and have the roaring 20s once again, but in the the 2000s instead of the 1900s. But with a good ending. With a better ending than the Great Depression. (laughs) Yes, yes. Right, right. Absolutely. Uh, Very interesting. So I'll a lot to kind of then, uh, I, I guess, if as you take stock and look at these different things um, over the past, you know, 10 years or so, how does that then shape your view for what we can expect in 2020? Well, okay, so here's the interesting thing. You ask yourself the question of what you're aiming at. What is an ideal? And come up with categories. So, for example, I, I use money relationships, fun, health, new capabilities, contributions that you'd like to make, and and feel free to add your own to that. But if you could identify in a non-quantifiable term what an ideal outcome would be, it helps give you a navigation point, uh, much like the horizon is a navigation point when you're you know, driving or flying an airplane or something like that. But the horizon is something that you can't ever actually get to. It's this constantly moving physical phenomenon that exists, but we're, we're perfectly happy with that existing. And this is an analogy that I got from Dan Sullivan, and it was treat the horizon as a navigation point. So for me, money, I, I, I would like to be, you know, well off, I call it rich and obscure. I, I don't. I'm not looking to be rich and famous. I just want to be financially well off and known to those who need to know me. But I'm not looking for fame. For relationships, I would like to strengthen and have good relationships with key people, and I would like to identify new people that would be uh, future opportunities, leverage points, or you know people who could be adding new elements or fun to my life. And, and existing relationships factor into that as well, obviously with spouse and children. What do you want to have accomplished in those relationships? And, and more from a qualitative standpoint, you know, for fun, you, you could make a dream list, but, but generally you want to have fun along the way and enjoy all of the effort that you've put in, not just make it all about work, but what are you going to do to incorporate fun and enjoyment and, you know, really some reward for all the the hard work that you've put in. Then backing all of those goals up into a three-year time horizon. Well, what psychological research shows is that people derive more satisfaction out of striving for and working towards a major goal than they do by actually achieving the goal. And that sounds strange because it's you think it's the achievement of the goal that's going to give you the most satisfaction. But it's really the, the pushing and the striving and the effort that you put in along the way that gives us true satisfaction and meaning and purpose in life. And so the the comparison I've, I've heard was, as a good example, is a college graduation. 
Okay, college graduation is this culmination of you know, all these years of work and you've taken SATs and you've gotten into the college of your choice and you've done all these programs and papers and maybe a dissertation and you have this crowning day when you graduate from college and you are on top of the world. It's the culmination of all this that you've worked for. You get your piece of paper, you go home, and the next day you wake up as an unemployed, overqualified barista. <laughs> and it's a letdown. We've all and been there. It, 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 yeah, you know, it, it really, it's sort of like, oh, oh, I, I haven't planned this next phase of my life. Or it, and, and for me, and I don't know, Walter, if I've ever told you about my 654 program that I did in college. No, I don't think so. So I did not have particularly good guidance and help with my college career. So I did what I call the 654321 program. And it was a bit of a mess in, in hindsight, but it was six years, five schools, four states, three girlfriends, two cars, one bachelor's degree. <laughs> I love that. The, the, it was a disaster. I mean, you've, from you've a planning a, standpoint, that's, a, that's just a, like a that, that's like a chemistry experiment to bring all those pieces together to experience success. You've got to sell that recipe to folks. The six five four. Yeah, I don't know point. if it's a I don't know if that's the recipe that we want to sell as, as a recipe for success because there was a lot of lost credits and changing of majors and changing of schools. I I, did, I had no idea what oh what I gosh. was really doing, and like I said, I, I I didn't have good guidance. I didn't have a good person really helping me map out. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so a lot of it was just sort of finding my way through the program. But even as I was finishing my bachelor's degree, I, I, I felt like a loser. I felt like I hadn't really accomplished anything. But when I look back on it, you know, I had created a lot of friends. I experienced a lot of different things. I learned a lot. And it was actually a, you know, a good period of growth in, in, in my life. Well, then the same thing in 1999, the 90s were really interesting because I traveled the world. I was working as a admission counselor for uh, two different universities, recruiting international students. Uh, I spent a semester in Hong Kong doing my MBA, and it was just the most interesting decade to be doing those kinds of things. I was expanding horizons, seeing the world. Uh, I knocked out my MBA in finance and graduated with a, you know, with my MBA in 1998. And you know, into 1999, we had taken uh, a particular school I was working at from having a very nominal international student body presence to having 42 countries represented on campus. We had exchange programs and transfer programs all around the world. And it was a great success, but as it was coming to an end, I was still feeling like I had not accomplished what I wanted to do next. And instead of feeling satisfied about what I'd accomplished, I, I was feeling like a loser again. Boy, you just really get down in the doldrums at the end of the, each decade. I, I do. I, well, I did. I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how you're going to sound by the end of this show. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I've, I've learned my lesson. I'm, I'm outlining all these because I, I see this pattern where I'm frustrated at what I want to do next. Like it's like what I have accomplished has ended, but I've not I'm feeling a dissonance about what I want to accomplish as opposed to seeing it as just a interesting challenge that I've undertaken. So anyway, in, in 
1999 ended. Well, in 2000, I made the transition to financial services. I got hired with Merrill Lynch, which was, a, a you know, to me, a big accomplishment at the time. Passed my Series 7. And in 2000, it was the beginning of the dot-com bubble busting. Then in 2001, we had World Trade Center and terrorist attacks. We had Enron, WorldCom, financial scandals, analyst scandals. And it was a crazy beginning of the decade, but somehow I managed to eke, eke through and, and uh, hang on to my seat when about 95 to 98% of my peers had literally failed out of the program or had to you know, pursue other options. And you know, from then on, I you know, had a great decade. We had, like I said, our third child by, by 2009, but then the decade ended with the financial crisis and all of the turmoil and changes, and it just was a major setback. And once again, feel like a bit of a loser. Even though I had accomplished, experienced, and, and had all of these positive things, well, what was wrong was I was looking at and measuring things wrong. Instead of looking back and saying, what were all the positives from the last decade, and now how am I going to leverage those forward? I finished the decade and was just feeling frustrated that I wasn't as far along or I hadn't accomplished quite what I wanted to accomplish. So now it's 2019. We're actually finishing, like I said, on a very positive for the year. So I've taken the opportunity to look back and I have measured all the positives. I have bookmarked things with you know certain trips and experiences with the family key new relationships and success that we've had. And obviously with business doing great, I have two fantastic uh, team members that I've got autonomy and in control of my business. We're creating a lot of great new content to share with people. And uh, I really have control over my business, the future, and am very optimistic about moving forward. So I'm not feeling like a loser at the end of this decade. Uh, feeling actually quite quite good about what we've accomplished, and I've learned how to better look back, measure the positives, and then we've set some uh, you know, ambitious goals for the next one to three years. We have a, a vision for where we want to go in the next ten years, and that's uh, yeah, that's what I would encourage people to do. I think it's useful. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just chime in my. Life motto, I don't know how old I was when I set it in place, but I was pretty young. And uh, my life motto was to make every year better than the last. And so if mm-hmm. you, even if it's just a small step forward uh, from where you were the previous year, if you always keep improving and keep taking that step forward, you know, you'll be in great shape. Uh, and it'll always mean that you're in the pursuit of something like you talked about, kind of about the journey, not the destination, that sort of mindset. It always kind of keeps you focused on that. So. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Jordan Peterson. He's he's written the book Twelve Rules for Life: uh, The Antidote to Chaos, and he he has a good quote where he says, "Measure yourself from who you were yesterday, not who someone else is today." Yeah, I like and if that. you do that, that's you know, to your point. If you can just every day make a little bit of incremental progress. And uh, measure against yourself yesterday, not this ideal that uh, maybe somebody else has achieved or you you perceive that they have achieved. Uh, you'll you'll have a much better 
you know, psychological response to it. Yeah. Are you growing? Are you advancing? All those kinds of things are really important questions to ask yourself as you look back, as well as all of those things that you certainly mentioned, uh, Brian. And now a lot of those things are certainly from a personal perspective, uh, but with this being Make the Dough Rise podcast, uh, we need to look at things from that financial perspective as always. So how can we kind of apply the same mentality you're talking about, but to the you know more specific financial side of things? Sure. Well, finishing with the market at you know all-time highs, the bond market has been on fire this year. Interest rates are low. Most people, if they've invested wisely or uh, prudently, as as we have with all of our clients, portfolio levels should be at relative highs or certainly have made some significant advances this year. And what I find people do in this situation is they get they get euphoric and they think that it's never going to end and they want to stay fully invested and press on. And so what I have built in as a sell discipline is when we do original financial plans, we have a, a numerical projection for what a portfolio value should be over the next you know decade or 20 years. And we, we, we map this out early. Uh, knowing a lot of things will change along the way, obviously. But anytime you have exceeded your goal, you should use that as an opportunity to take some money off of the table, especially in retirement or as you're, as you're nearing retirement, take some money off of the table and use that to fortify cash and or do one of these things or a couple of these things that you've been looking to do as a whether it's a reward or it's a an experience with the the family or the grandchildren or something like that, use this market high as an opportunity to take some profits, be a little bit defensive, shore up the reserve funds, and make sure that you have the cash to do one of these aspirational things uh, that you're doing. We should be in a position to do that, and as opposed to just hoping for the best, hoping for nothing but continued prosperity, it oftentimes makes sense to use these peaks as a selling opportunity, as as a profit-taking opportunity. And that ties into the message that we've talked about with, you know, taking advantage of current tax rates. Capital gains tax rates are relatively low right now. This could be a very good time to, uh, you know, just shore up the cash and make sure you've got the funds on hand because the, the the money should just be a vehicle to help you achieve those those bigger goals that you've got. What other good questions could somebody ask themselves at the end of the year that might, you know, spark some of this thought process? If this sort of like self-stock and self-reflection doesn't come easy to somebody, what are some other good questions that would lead folks down a good road of planning? Okay, so I've, I've got one client who uh, she always laughs at me and makes fun of me because I'm, I'm always telling her, pull out a sheet of paper. Take a blank sheet of paper, turn it sideways. And on one side, I want you to list, uh, let's call it a, you know, positives or a taking stock of all of the good things. Look backwards. Think back on the last year, the last five years, the last 10 years. I know bad things have happened. I know it was tough at times, but what are all the good things that have happened. And if you start making stock of all of the progress that you've made and all the positives that occurred over that decade, that will get you in a frame of reference or uh, certainly will make you 
if it doesn't immediately make you feel better about you know how things are going, uh, I, I would be shocked. So on one side, I want a list of all the, the positives that you can come up with for the last 10 years. Now, if you want to do three or, or whatever, that's fine. Now flip the piece of paper over and draw uh, three vertical lines and one horizontal line across the top. And then one, that first column, write down those categories. So what are the areas of your life that you want to set goals in? And again, for me, it's money, relationships, fun, new capabilities, contribution, and health. So what, what in 10 years, what would be some ideal concepts that you would like to achieve in those categories? And add your own if you want. Then in the next column, I want you to put a header of three years in that column. So now is time to get quantitative. Three years is a time that's far enough in advance that we can dream a little bit, but it's not so far in advance that it just seems like it's never going to happen. It's a couple years down the road. Give me numbers. Who would you like to have enhanced your relationship with or spent more time with or met new you know, people? What are some key relationships you'd like to focus on? Name them. For fun, where do you want to go? What would you like to do? What are your dream trips? List those out. Uh, if you've got a financial objective, uh, if, if you're still accumulating and saving, what would your you know, target number be? Or if you want to do some spending, what, what's the budget that you've got set up to take the, the trip that you want? Health uh, is a great one to get quantitative about. I would like to weigh how much. I would like to have what percentage body fat. I'd like to be able to bike X number. I'd like to be able to run a you know, a half marathon, put something down that's an aspirational goal because taking good care of your health is, is going to be important. And that's going to feed back into you having longevity and, and enjoyment in retirement. And, you know, contribution, new capabilities. What would you like to learn specifically? Name some things. I, I would like to master a certain skill set or try a new hobby or learn a certain uh, program on the computer. What learning and growth is going to give you this sense of accomplishment. And I'm telling you, the transition into retirement can be a bit of a letdown. There's this initial, it's, it's like the college graduation I was talking about before. You have, you have this magical date, you've retired, you're taking a quick, some trips, you're golfing every day. And I've, seen several people slip almost into a depression for a year or two because all of a sudden the structure is gone and uh, that, that they had received from work, the social aspect of what they did with, with their job and everything that kept them busy day to day. Once that's gone and you've enjoyed the, the freedom for a little bit, it, it can actually turn into a big gap of time that, that you, you flounder around and lack things to do. So coming up with this list can actually help you avert you know, maybe a, a doldrums or, or a down period. So uh, again, get, get quantitative, come up with some stretch goals for the three-year standpoint. Now, finally, in that next column, I want you to put the header of one year, 12 months from today. You know, what's the date today? What's the date in one year? How old are you now? How old will you be? If you're going to achieve these goals in a three-year time period, what has to happen to take the first steps 
towards those in the next 12 months. Now that boils everything down from a you know, big picture, strategic orientation, commander's intent kind of thinking down to, well, okay, so here's where we want to measurably be in three years. And now in the next 12 months, these are my tactics to actually get there. And if you'll pencil that out on a sheet, or if you would like a more structured worksheet, uh, we've done these for clients. So I, I do them for myself all the time. Maybe we could get a link as a download to the podcast here. If you don't have a blank sheet of paper, but want to print one of these out or something like that. Well, I guess if you print it out, you'd have a blank sheet of paper. So anyway, uh, you can do it manually, or maybe we can get you a download to structure this and, you know, just get down to uh, what you're going to do in this next year and get busy and get after it and aim high, aim big, know what you're aiming at because as you aim, that's probably what's going to happen. And uh, kind of like the Alice in Wonderland scene when Alice is running around and uh, I forget which was it the Cheshire cat that she meets and she he asks, where are you where are you going? And she says, well, I don't know. And he says, well, then it doesn't matter which way you go. They'll, all, all roads will get you to, I don't know. So don't let things happen by accident. Make it happen on purpose. Know where you're going, and you will be surprised by getting clarity on that. You'll actually get closer to achieving the result that you want as opposed to something happening by accident. That's really neat to see it broken down that way and helpful to not just look at it from that 10-year time frame, but then, okay, with these 10-year goals, what do I need to do over the next three to make it happen? Then to kickstart it, what needs to happen in just the next 12 months? And let's set those short-term goals to achieve the long-term goals. It all sounds like common sense, but when you bring it together and you organize it, it certainly makes it all that much more realistic to be able to accomplish. So It's common sense, but, but yeah, I think people just get lost and... Time has a way of just marching on, and if you don't deliberately do some things or do some things to mark occasions and and time, you can get in a routine. You can spend a lot of time just staying busy, but you haven't really done anything meaningful or accomplished you know, what, what you've really set out to do. And that's, that's really what it's all about. I mean, it's, it, it's not just a number. It's not just about having the best return. It's, it's actually about getting satisfaction, enjoyment, and fulfillment out of, out of all that you've worked for. Well, do that exercise, and I bet you're going to discover some really neat things that you can look forward to in the year 2020, 2021, and for the next decade. So there you have it, Brian. Great. Thank you for the help. Looking back at the past 10 years and some, we got some stories back from the 90s and even the 80s from you today. Oh, we dug deep for this one, <laughs> we yes. We dug deep. And, uh, and, and taking those lessons and applying them forward to this next decade. Well, Brian, it was a, it was a good decade. I think it's going to be a great you know, roaring 20s in, in more ways than just the stock market or financial terms as well. Just, uh, you know, hopefully as, uh, as, as a group, as a nation, we uh, have a great, you know, 2020 and beyond. So I'm going into it with positivity and uh, now going into it with some plans too. So fantastic. Absolutely. Break out that sheet of paper, Walter. You got it. Absolutely. I've got, I've got it out right now. I'm going to go, I'm going to go re-listen to the episode and, and follow line by line there and, uh, and get it all on paper. So there you have it. Sounds great. 
Well, we hope you have enjoyed Make the Dough Rise. You know, that was a fun thing in 2019 that uh, we were able to launch with Brian, and we've gotten lots of great episodes on the agenda for 2020. So come back and join us in the new year, and we'll have uh, lots of good topics on uh, on tap, and we can't wait to talk to you then. Hope you have a great rest of your decade, whatever is left in it, and a happy new year, Merry Christmas, happy holidays to everybody uh, who tuned into the program, and we'll talk to you again in 2020. In the meantime, don't forget you can find out more information about the show, listen to past episodes, and all sorts of great information online at MakeTheDoughRise.com. That's MakeTheDoughRise.com. You can also read Brian's book. If you want more, go to RetirementRescue.net, and you can sign up to get Brian's book. Again, just go to retirementrescue.net for that. And of course, you can always schedule a 15-minute call with the team and chat with Brian about your retirement readiness. If you need some help putting together the financial side of that uh, plan for the next decade, Brian is definitely the person to talk to there. And you can schedule that 15-minute call by dialing in at 706-451-9800. That's 706-451-9800. Or again, makethedoughrise.com, your place to go there. Brian, thanks so much for all the help on this show, and we'll look forward to uh, talking to you in the new year. It was great. Thanks, Walter. Enjoyed it. That's Brian Doe. I'm Walter Storhol. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you next time on Make the Doe Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.